The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 124 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. I'm so glad to be back with you this week, and what an amazing show we have. But first of all, I want to thank a new reviewer on Apple Podcasts, and this is a fun one. Their username, they just use punctuation to do a smiley face and winky eyes, which I think is so fun. Uh, but they left a wonderful five-star review, and I wanted to share it because it kind of made, made me laugh, made me happy. It says, genuinely good people sharing great stories and insight. It's always uplifting and relatable. To top it off, Sean's voice is so soothing, it'd put me to sleep if I didn't listen so intently to the content. Oh, what a fun review. Thank you so much. And I, the reason I wanted to read that was to point out, I think we all get very self-conscious. I feel like I have the most nasally, whiny, worst voice imaginable for a podcast. So I appreciate the kind words. Gives me a little bit of confidence to carry on. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of our reviewers. Uh, This week on the show, my guest, Dennis Schleicher. I absolutely love Dennis. Dennis is the author of a wonderful book called Is He Nuts? that talks all about him as an openly gay man finding the church and joining it and just a lot of twists and turns in his life. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love Dennis. Uh, We had a great conversation and by the end, the spirit was so strong in the room as he testified of his love of the gospel. I was just so impressed by him and and I know you're going to really enjoy it. And this week in my latter day life, there really is a great big beautiful world out there. And I'll tell you all about that. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, here in the Latter-day Live studios, it is my honor to have not only a speaker and a presenter and a fireside speaker, but also an author, Dennis Schleicher. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Sean. What an honor. And I want to thank you for the opening prayer. That's important to me. Yeah, I've told our audience before. In fact, we did a 100th episode where we talk about uh, kind of what we do in the show behind the scenes. Yeah. We always open with a prayer, and it's wonderful to have you here. It's very, very good to have you here. So you are an author. Tell us the name of your your book. It's called Is He Nuts? Why a Gay Man Would Become a Member of the Church of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And I love that title so much. Isn't it? Isn't it? I'm sure that people have asked themselves that. And so, and that tells us a little bit about uh, some of the themes we're going to talk about. But before we get into your book, before we get to the church and everything, we got to get to know you, Dennis. So All tell right, us a I little like bit that. about I like that. And, and and I should tell our audience this is, for, this is the first time we've ever met. Yes, we so, just we just talked on Facebook Messenger, and then I gave I said I don't check Facebook Messenger much because I get a lot of hate mail. So just <laughs> send me. Here's my iPhone number. I love it. And so here's Dennis uh, sitting down with us now. So tell us a little bit about uh, where where did you grow up? Where are you from? I grew up in Connecticut, and 
you know, to, to um, lay the groundwork, I am probably one of the most, the last people in the world you would have ever thought joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because I was one of those that was a Googleologist, and I would uh, go on Google, and I would say, oh, they're they're homophobic, they're this, they're that, and um, actually, I almost started an LGBT protest at the Harford, the dedication to the Harford Temple with a thousand people. Wow. Wow. So going back, going back before this, you're from Connecticut, you grew up and obviously you grew up not in a Latter-day Saint home. Correct. Tell us a little bit about your family. Well, my parents are born again, fundamentalist of a born again church. And I've, um, my father's a deacon of 6,000 members, and it was a first assembly of God. And then they broke away to Crossroads Community Cathedral. And that was, um, I was brought up in, in a home where I encouraged my parents to go to church because we had a church in the backyard mm. when I was about eight years old. And I said, why don't we go to church? I want to play with my friend Katie. And so I brought my parents to church, and then they ended up spinning off. And then as I got older, uh, my they became so rigid, where it was like, you know, God's going to strike you dead. Jesus doesn't love you. Mm. And I had that ingrained in my my subconscious and my conscious for years that I uh, was pushed away from organized religion for so mm. long. Yeah, because your experience wasn't positive for no, a long time. No, not at all. Do you have siblings? I have one younger brother. His name was Darren, and he passed away in 2004. I'm so sorry. From a drug overdose. And, mm. and well, thank you for that. But he yeah. was also my best friend and biggest supporter, and, and he didn't care that I was gay. He said, I love you for you. You're just Dennis to me. So let's go back to... Uh, your journey in in I think this is something that is interesting for people to know. Um, and me not being a gay man, I don't know this journey. Yes. When when did you realize you were you were gay, or at oh, least wow, yeah. maybe maybe different from a lot of your friends? I knew way before I even knew what the word was. Okay. And I wrote about this in this book, and and that I. Um, and so I was so, I, I just knew there was something different about me. I wanted a house with a white picket fence with a wife and a son and a daughter and a dog and everything. Mm. And I wanted that perfect life, but it just didn't feel right. I, I used to flip through Sears and Robux catalogs and cut out what the patio furniture for the pool was going to be and design the perfect architecturally stimulating house. And, mm. and I just had this image at a very young age that that's what... I was going to be, but yet it just didn't resonate. And I knew there was something different and I just didn't know what the word was. Yeah. When did you realize, okay, when did it all come together? I guess for you, I am a gay man. When did that come together? At what age? It was probably when I was about um, 14, but I was very much in denial over it. Mm. I was just, I didn't want to acknowledge it. When I was out as a gay man, it was when I was a victim of a very brutal gay bashing in my high school where I was accused of being gay, Mm -hmm. and I was attacked by 15 students. And I was punched and bleeding, and and a switchblade was was brought out. And then I was made the scapegoat. I was told if I was made, if I'd made out with women in the hallway, this wouldn't be an issue. If I would... You know, if if I wasn't modeling or on soap operas or on commercials, we wouldn't be dealing with this right now. And that was traumatizing for me. 
I can't even imagine how terrifying that is. So had you actually come out then at that point? No, or I no? haven't. I, I was that, still... You hadn't yeah. at that point. No, they I just, was still closeted. It was just... I did tell the school that I was accused of being gay, and that's why I yeah. was attacked. How terrible to be involved in a vicious, vicious attack mm. at a time that is difficult enough for yes. all of us. Yes. And I hope... I think you and I are... Relatively close in age, somewhere I'm in there. I'm 47. So. I'm 47. Yeah, so, so we're, we're the, exact the same. same age. Yeah. And we're brothers. Was, <laughs> we are. And it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that, that was also a very different time. I hope and pray that we've come a long way since then in our schools. We, we have. I, we I have. hope so. But yeah. there's still a lot of work because what caused sure. me to stand up straight and, and at the time uh, when I confided in my high school social worker and guidance counselor and I said, I was accused of, and when I was asked uh, uh, four months later to appear on Sally Jesse Raphael, which was a very prominent talk show at the time, I thought nobody watched it. And I went on thinking nobody would see this, and it went viral without the internet. And then the ratings were so high, they asked me to come back again. And then I was on um, Larry King Live, which was an international show, translated in over 100 languages in 88 countries. And so, but when I was told that 33% of all suicides are over sexual identity crisis and 57% of all mm. the attacks in a public high school were over sexual identity crisis, that's when I stood up strong and I said, I need to say, I need to go on TV. I need to say something. Right. So after this attack, so somewhere between this attack and Sally Jesse, you had to, your parents had to become aware that you were gay. Yes. Uh, how did how did that happen? It was actually during the Oprah show. Um, I used to play on a soap opera called The Guiding Light, and my mother and I was... You were an actor on The Guiding Light. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. And so I was playing, um, you know, as a... And so I was... I was. Uh, we were watching The Guiding Light, and it said a commercial, next is National Coming Out Day, October 11th, 1989. You know, and my mother I said, oh, that's disgusting, that's gross. And I just looked at her, and I said, Really? And she said, I know you're gay. I know you are. And I said, yes, I am, nervously. And she ended up saying, God's going to strike you dead. You're going to hell. Jesus doesn't love you. You know, and it's just really was, was so traumatic for me that I just, you know, she says, wait until your father finds out. And I was an emancipated minor, so I wasn't living at home at the time. So I was able to live on my own. And, and so... um that was very hard for me because yeah. I didn't want to be known as the gay man. I just wanted to be known as Dennis, yeah, who happens to be gay. And you, you expect, I mean, we look to our parents for the love and mm-hmm. support and appreciation, but you had already become emancipated at that point. Yes. Were you pursuing a career in acting then when you were young? No, no. I, I wanted to go to school to be into communications, and then I wanted to... Uh, study marketing. And then I got into sales and I worked as in the Fortune 500 companies representing a $76 million territory, traveling around the world, managing mm. sales managers. And, and I loved it. And it was just a lot of, um, a lot of fun. But yeah. it, it just, it, I, I was at a point where I thought I was happy and I wasn't mm. because I was, I was making fun of, of like when I would have to come to Utah for a business meeting, I would tell my executive assistant, um, don't book a hotel 
uh, get me get in the first earliest flight, tell the client I can't meet them, have them meet me at the Salt Lake City Airport, and 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 tell them I'm, my plane's running late and I can't mm. stay, and then have the meeting and get me out of there as fast as you can. And it was just like, because I was had this perception that we were the largest haters in the world and come to find out in Utah. Now, you know, my first calling was Word Missionary, and shortly after it was Word Mission Leader. And then 11 converts later, my missionaries all say he's Utah friendly. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that? You know, oh, I forgot so to tell you, funny. he's Utah friendly. And I go, uh, so apparently there's a, there's a term on the East Coast that if you have two people from Utah, they're like, oh, two people from Utah. But if you get a companion that's from Brazil or Asia or Tokyo, anywhere overseas, the Philippines, yeah. you get fed better. Apparently, but oh, that's not, hilarious. Not on my watch because I make sure my missionaries are well fed. <laughs> I want to go back to this experience with Sally Jesse Raphael. This was kind of the big kickoff of you as somewhat an LGBTQ spokesperson, to advocate. Her. Yeah, yeah, an advocate. That's a better word for it. Um, and really, really speaking out at a time that was very different. Like yeah. I had to kind of put my head back as to what it was like back in the late 80s and early 90s. Oh. It was a very different time. So I was I was really naive um, at the time, and I didn't realize that that it was so cutting edge. Or I had, you know, friends that were older that said, do you realize how brave that was of you to do that? Or, mm. you know, now I have people that, you know, are thanking me for writing this book. Or yeah. people that say, I haven't spoken to my my son in 20 years. And because of reading this book, I just booked a flight to go see him. Wow. You know, and that's just something. So I, I see it that it's, um, I mean, I obviously, I didn't join the church to write a book. I didn't join the church to be, uh, you know, the number one sought after devotional and fireside speaker. I yeah. joined the church because I had a true conviction right. of the Holy Ghost and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, so let's go, let's uh, take it from, you know, you're, you're doing advocate work, which yes. was really important to you. After coming out, did that create a rift with your parents then completely? Was there a time that you weren't? Yes, they, um, they offered to put me into conversion therapy. Mm. Um, they would trick me, they would say we're going out to brunch, and I would end up um, with their church leaders and locked in a room and them screaming and hollering and, and saying, you know, Jesus, you know, save him. And, and, you know, it was just, it was, it was brutal. Wow. What a traumatic turn of events. Mm-hmm. I can now kind of see how all this prepares you for your message now, mm-hmm. but I'm sure at the time it must've been, what is this world? What yeah. is this life? Yeah. You know, after after appearing on multiple talk shows on Larry King and on everything else, how how were you treated within the gay community, and how were you treated outside of it? Like a, um, I hate to say it because in in where I am now as as a ward mission leader, you know, sure. serving with missionaries all over the world and working with stake presidents and mission presidents and 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 general authorities, is that I want to make it more about how can I help you. What right. can I do for you? And and now, you know, it was, it was you know, I was looked upon as the celeb. I mean, Bette Midler was, a, was you know, 
uh, became a good friend of mine. You know, mm, a lot of celebrities yeah. became close because they saw me as being very brave to come out in a time when nobody... And, and it's the irony of that is that people say that I joined the church when so many are leaving over this issue and over LGBT issues because they think we don't love and accept all, when in fact it was members of this church that said, Dennis, Jesus does love you. God loves you. You are a child of God. That is awesome. So let's go back to how it actually happened. I yes. want to know the story of you are living your life, nothing to do with the church. How did you end up finding the church? I, I worked, um, I work as a network marketer and I uh, was a company in Lehigh, Utah. And I was flown out here because we merged with another company to put my name on it for all my leaders. And I was invited to, they knew that I was in touch with the four owners and asking questions about the church. But I really didn't have a desire to join because I was told I would have to live a celibate life. And, and I just didn't really see that yeah. happening. But yet at the time, I'm going, I'm in a dry spell. Well, forget the dry spell. I'm in an all-out drought. Like, this just, <laughs> I'm not going to find monogamy, what I want, and all this stuff. So I was asking them questions, and then... Were you asking questions of, of the owners just out of curiosity? Like, are you a naturally curious person? Or was it kind of a, I wonder if there is something to this? Well, at first, I, when I, I knew they were faith-based, because I was a leader, and I kept asking them... Um, I, I, I was church hopping at the time, and I was Episcopalian one week and Catholic the next, and then and I didn't go to the same church twice because I didn't want to be known. So I was asking them, what faith are you? And when they told me we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ, I was like, what? And I was just <laughs> floored, because they never judged me for my past discretions, and the, the things I used to post on Facebook were very risque. And so converts do have a past. And that's even members have a members past. Members have a past. That's what yeah. I was about to say. We all have past. We all have past. Sure. So, um, so I was asking questions. And then when I went to uh, Lehigh on June 19, 2017, I was at, um, when I returned home, I was asked to go to Palmyra, New York. And I'm like, Pal what? Hilcomore what? <laughs> to go see Macaroni and, and, and Nephi. And I didn't understand any of this. <laughs> And now I'm wearing, you know, Moroni socks and uh, Book of Mormon socks. socks from BOM and with um, where I did my younger brother's ordinance, Provo City Center. Awesome. On it. And, and so I, um, I was so, like, um, against it still. And when I was asked, I'm like, they're not. I said politely, I said, yes, I'll go. And then I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And I, I held off on booking my hotel room. I, and this was for a business trip? Well, so, oh, yeah, I was out here in, uh, I left here on June 19, 2017. Yeah. That's when I stole the Book of Mormon from the Lehigh Marriott. And then I... Which uh, they encourage, by the way. Yes, you know, now, I realize, now, now, now I realize. Now I realize Marriott that. loves it when yeah, you they steal love the Book it. of Mormon. So um, <laughs> then I ended up um, uh, returning from Palmyra on July 19th. Mm. And I, all the owners of the company and, and Andrew and Audrey, they were calling the missionaries and the, uh, the number was disconnected, a pizza parlor, out of service or a gas station on LDS.org. And so they couldn't get in touch with them and to inform them somebody was visiting. So the missionaries were at, Sister Tomlinson and Sister Espelon were at such a bottom point in their lesson, in their mission, they were actually praying for a walk in the night before. 
So I walked into that church, a nervous wreck. I grabbed my security stolen Book of Mormon, and I walked in, and this woman, Kelly, who handles, you know, great juice, says, oh, do we have another missionary? Are you visiting from out of town? And I said, no, I'm a walk-in. She goes, come again? I said, I'm a walk-in. I've never been here before. She goes, oh, heavens, my goodness. Oh, uh, we never get those around here. Um, oh, our missionaries are going to be elated. Hold on, just stand right here. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking, door, rapid fire, rapid fire. Yeah, get out. Yeah. But then what happened from there? I, well, I felt, the, I felt, so when I was, was dry, this at a church? Yeah, I went was to, I went building. to an LDS church. Yeah. You just walked into a church. Walked building. into a church. I found it on, or I was given the address from, and I said, my gosh, you know, that's 15 minutes from my house in Connecticut. I'm like, I've driven by there all the time. I never even knew it was a church and, or members. I didn't think we were allowed to go to churches because Ooh. I thought you had to be a temple recommend holder or something. Oh, yeah. I thought because of the temple. Uh, so the temple was dedicated six months before, and that's when I almost started the LGBT protest. I was baptized six months later, and on August 19th, I was baptized. So the 19th of July, or June, the 19th of July, returned from Palmyra, and I was baptized on the 19th of August. Wow. The owners of my company flew out, and we... Um, Oh my gosh, it was so special. It was so magical. I just remember that day like it was yesterday. And then um, I was, my first calling was ward missionary. And then I was ward mission leader. And so I did my first, so once the missionary started to transfer, and I was known for texting their their parents videos and pictures, because that was my diary on my iPhone is the videos and pictures. And they were like, we got a gay. And they're like, no way. And <laughs> I'm like, we got a gay. <laughs> and so um, so word spread. And then I'm getting called to do these home teachings. And I'm like, what's a home teaching? I'll be there, but what is it? And it was for people that were looking into the church for four or five years, and they didn't want to join because they didn't want to offend there. And then I closed them. I was like, this is it. You know, like, and they were like, so my first convert baptism was on March 11th, 2018. And that was awesome when I was given the Melchizedek priesthood mm. and a member of the gen. But see, I wasn't feeling worthy to baptize her because I was dealing with the adversary and I was yeah. dealing with them so strongly because I didn't feel worthy to have the Melchizedek priesthood because I'm going, I'm gay, I don't deserve this. Mm. And so even though I didn't do anything wrong, I didn't right. break any commandments. Sure. So I didn't. I wanted to go to another state award that didn't have state conference, so that I could um, take sacrament, and then I'd be ten minutes away. But my phone was blowing up. Mission president was texting me. My state president, where are you? There's a general authority here. We have a meeting with you with him, and I'm going. Oh gosh, what did I do now? Am I losing my limited temple recommend? <laughs> And he just said, son, I hear you have a conversion story for me. And I didn't know we have this thing called Mormon Tourette's. <laughs> and so I blurted out, I'm a gay convert. And he just put his arm on my shoulder, pulled me closer and said, son, we need more LGBT people sharing charity and the pure love of Christ. Oh. Was, what do your gay friends say to you when you join the nerds, uh, join the church? Are you nuts? They're going to have you married off to a woman in no time. They're going to put you in conversion therapy. And he said, 
son, that's what your next book is going to be about. It's called Is He Nuts? And I looked at him. Wow. And I said, you're nuts. I didn't join the church to write a book. (laughs) Wow, Dennis, that's amazing. But I ignored it. So the same thing. So when I was back in Palmyra, New York, um, Audrey Earl, um, Andrew's wife, I met her for the first time. She handed me this book called More Than the Tattooed Woman by Al Fox Caraway. Mm-hmm. And she says, Dennis, you got to read this. You got to read her book. And I'm looking at it going, thank you. That's nice. Of course <laughs> I'll read it. But I'm looking at it going, what on earth do I want to read about some tattooed woman for? I'm scared of needles. I don't have any tattoos. And I haven't even read the Stolen Book of Mormon yet. (laughs) So I handed it back to her and I ignored that. And it took me almost a year. And after I was asked to write the book, I ignored it, ignored it. And then I was called by a friend in Utah saying, have you read Alice? I mean, everybody was sending me videos of her. I was delete. I even had somebody send me a selfie video with her speaking in Provo. She's saying, hi, Dennis, this is Al Caraway sending love and light your way. And I go, delete off my iPhone. Really? Yeah. So I ended up ignoring it. And then I ended up uh, listening to it when I was driving to Trumbull, Connecticut, an hour and a half away mm. to do a home teaching with somebody again who you listen to the audiobook of Al Caraway. Of Al Caraway. Yeah. And this was in May, and I'm listening to it driving down the Merritt Parkway, going, Holy cows, th- this woman is telling my story. There must be an LDS publisher. There's not one cattle ranch in Utah smacking me upside the head. Every cattle ranch is smacking <laughs> me upside the head. And I said, And she's got to write my forward, mm. not knowing she's the number one sought after LDS speaker yeah. in the world. Sure. So. It taught me never judge a book by its cover. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful lesson. I, and so I called the publisher, and I said I was asked by the church to do this, and Al's going to write my forward. And they called me back, uh, and they interviewed me for like an hour and a half, and she, he, they said, I'm going to turn you over to our head acquisitions editor maybe a couple of months before she gets back to you. Within 20 minutes, I had an email saying, I'm in charge of your project. Wow. And they're like, we want to put a rush on this. And the book got uh, first, it got uh, presidential approval. It went through the chain. We submitted it to them as well. And they were like, we need this. Awesome. And um, it was number one on Mormonism for pre-sale and LGBT biographies. And then, um, unfortunately, you know, I stopped. Um, I refused to do national interviews. I was asked to do the Today Show and a bunch of other shows. And mm. and I didn't, I'm very protective of the church. So yeah. I didn't want to have them say, next, meet the gay Mormon convert. No, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm. I had got first presidential approval to have my endowment early. I had to Google that because I didn't know what that was. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I, so when you're going through this, through this conversion process... And, you know, you're finding the church, you're feeling the Holy Ghost. How do you reconcile? You were born a gay man, you're a gay man. Baptism doesn't change that, of course. it didn't. Uh, It didn't. (laughs) I was praying it did, but it didn't. So, but you're going through all that. Were there times in in your mind where your mind and your heart were battling? Because you had spent a lot of years as an advocate with certain views. Those don't just disappear overnight. I was scared to death. I'm like... I'm going, like, what's going to happen? But what I didn't realize is is the Holy Ghost took away that desire. Mm. It took away everything. It's like, it, I don't have the need. You know, I got this whole clarity that is just 
that I didn't have before. I have this, you know, I, I often say to converts, because I've had 11 convert baptisms, I say, you're not going to get the lightning bolt. You may not get the lightning bolt that I did, or like the first vision, you know? Yeah. But uh, I just, so one of the things that was my major turning point was when I was visiting Joseph Smith's childhood home. I had this revelation. I used to call it being a psychic or a sidekick. You know, <laughs> now I know it's revelation and, and a lot of churches don't believe in that and they think it's evil or it's it's the work of Satan, you know, being able to have revelation and prophecy. And the one thing was um I felt the persecution of our pioneers mm. and I was in tears. I was in I was bawling, like like I had the four streams, the two, you know, both eyes were like four streams, like river, <laughs> yeah, like like Bridal Falls, sure, just pouring down. <laughs> And going, I could feel the persecution of our pioneers. And I said, if anybody could understand persecution, it's members of the LGBT community and members of our church. Yeah. That I just, my heart broke. I can imagine you relate to pioneers on a level that I don't at all. Mm. You know, I've never had, knowingly, people hate me for who I inherently am. I didn't have to go through the persecution the pioneers did. You know, people, yeah, they've said not, uh, not nice things, but I've never been driven out of my city. And I've never yeah. been through the persecution that the LBG, uh, LGBT community has been through either. Yeah. So I'm sure you have a, a way to relate. I mean, it just sounds yeah. amazing. And that's what, you know, I, when I do my firesides and stuff and devotionals, 50% of the people who attend are inactive. Mm. And the mission presidents and the stake presidents and the bishops report a 20% increase of inactive members. Wow. So they feel the conviction. Yeah. I'm not saying it was easy. There's a chapter I have, uh, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, and that was just before I was baptized, because the adversary comes down on us converts strong. Yeah. And that wasn't easy. I mean, I mean, there were things that wouldn't be believable if we didn't pull the diaries of the missionaries mm. or the, you know, everyone that worked with me or the owners of the company, because it was your story, my story, and the truth. And yeah. I was very adamant that we fact-checked, triple-checked everything because I didn't want anything right. to be, to someone to go on my book, that's incorrect information. Oh, I love this. And I love that you put out the book. Um well, what? I didn't, the, 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 the church. Well, I love yeah. that you allowed your story to be told so broadly through this book. I think it's just awesome. Thank you. And it's inspiring. Um, we have listeners who either uh, themselves are gay and are grappling with the gospel, the church, and being gay, uh, or we have possibly parents or friends of people who are gay and, and are members of the church. And might be struggling, mm. might be trying to figure out how does this all line up? What advice do you have for people who are, are going through that? Know that you're not alone and know that that I have, you know, like, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the support of my ward and stake. And I was pounced on when they, when I, from the day I was a walk-in, they were like, oh, uh, do you, you want to come to dinner tomorrow night? Do you want to come to family home evenings? Or do you want to come? There's an event at the steak center. Come with us. And I'm like, steak what? Oh, we get filet? You know, like, <laughs> um, and so my advice to them is to know there are active members in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that are full temple recommend holders and gay 
and LGBTQ plus A B C D E. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was your gay, straight, or bisexual. <laughs> Now it's sure. this whole acronym, yeah. which you know it's a change of times, and yeah. you have to be adaptable. But so I was very uh, my, so my advice to them is to know you're not alone, and that there's people out there that love and care for you, and that the church is is cares about you, and the church mm. loves you, and you are. Think about the general authority saying. To myself, Dennis, we need more LGBT people sharing charity and the pure love of Christ. Oh, I love that. There are members of the church who are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're just not comfortable. They were raised thinking certain things that if if you're gay, it can't be compatible and might be uncomfortable with gay members of the church. What message would you have for them? The one thing I have to say is when I do a devotional fireside, I say this is my story, and it may not be for you. Please don't judge me for it because I get a lot of hate mail, and that a lot of the and death threats, and the, all of that is from people who have left our church because people just don't leave quietly. And when I was talking to a general authority about this, he said, "Why do you think that is?" And I said, "Well, it's because they miss what we have. They miss it." Oh, and so, so right. I, we just have to love and accept them as fellow brothers and sisters yeah. and show them Christ-like attributes. What yeah. would Christ do? And so I say that it's, it's my journey, and it may not be for everybody, but no matter what you choose, I will love and accept you as a fellow brother and sister because you never know when they'll come back. One thing I'm very adamant about is doctrine never changes. And that's something that, yeah. so it's, but I, jo- I made a choice to join this church. I have agency. Mm. And I wear the CTR ring on my, it, I, I think of it as current temple recommend holder. Uh, choose the right. <laughs> There's many things. Oh, I love it. But I wear it on my wedding band. And often when I do devotionals, I was doing one in Pasadena, California at a stake center. And everyone wanted to know, why is he wearing a wedding band? Well, I wear it because I'm just like a priest or a nun. I gave a I de, I I gave a life of of chastity and and mm. and to to be married to to him more or less and I awesome. give it to him. So, I wear that CTR ring on my wedding band to remind me choose the right current temple recommend holder. And that's something that I constantly notice. There's such a high level of devotion and I just got to say, the spirit is so incredibly strong in here with you speaking. I love it. And what a blessing you are, Dennis. Uh, people want to buy the book. What is the best way for them to find the book? They can, it's everywhere. It's, it's not, um, it's in Deseret, it's in Siegel, it's in uh, Barnes and Noble, it's in, it's on Amazon, there's an audio version. Yeah. But people say they laugh, they cry, they, they have all the emotions. And these are people that said, I had no desire to read this book. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's you know it's not doing the sales that the church would like, but that's because again, I am not out there parading on the Today Show. But or, I also think there are still a lot of people who are uncomfortable with this. Well, they don't know about it. 
because yeah. people, I was at Deseret um, in West Jordan, I'm doing a book signing there, and, and they were like, we had people that called and asked for this book, and, and we don't, we didn't even know it exists, we didn't know what it was about, and all this stuff, and we didn't know, and I was explaining, and after talking to me, they wrote this beautiful review on Instagram, and and that it's just awesome. was like, you got to come and meet Dennis, and he's awesome, and this and that, and he shares the true love of Christ, and he's got this aura about him, and, mm. you know, it's just, so it was just this, it, it, it takes word of mouth, and I don't mind that. I'm, I didn't, again, you know, I didn't join to make 50 cents a book, you know, the yeah, church. Right. I didn't want, I was kicking and screaming, I don't want sure. this, I don't want this book to come out. I mean... Our editors at our church were great therapists because they put me through. I mean, I was, I was calling them with so many because the adversary was throwing so many roadblocks. I bet I was tired of coming out because I'm saying I'm a closeted member of the church now, and now that this is going to be public, <laughs> I'm going to have to come out again. You had to come out. How twice? many times have I had to come out of that closet? I'm tired of coming out. <laughs> Let's go back full circle then. Uh, to your relationship with your parents. Yes. Has that ever come back and healed, or is that still... It wasn't until just before I came out here that it started to heal, but just like Al Caraway, she lost her father for a while. And, and so my father, my parents' biggest concern was, son, uh, don't come back f- from Utah when I drove out here for three and a half months to do devotionals and firesides over the summer and fall. Um, don't come back from Utah with a greyhound full of multiple husbands. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? Dad, that is not only uh, a gay joke, but that's a Latter-day Saint uh, joke. And, you know, that multiple is, husbands? How many stereotypes so, can you combine? That's Sean, hilarious. So oh, I, I was telling so this funny. to my stake, and they were like, oh, you know, all the women in the Relief Society and the presidency and stuff were like, well, we're going to rent a Greyhound and, and, and we're going to have all of our husbands get off and you're going to say, Dad. And I'm going to say, what am I going to do? Say, Dad, meet Peter, James, and John. Yeah. Joseph Smith, <laughs> Alma, Lee, you know, like Matthew, Luke. Oh. I'm like, we're not adding to the stereotype. Oh, my you gosh, Dennis, that is, that is so funny. This is, this, is the, this is what I try to put into my firesides to kind of loosen the... Yeah. The, to make it so that people can yeah. can experience all the emotions and they can feel my conviction. If they can hear that I can go through these faith, challenge, faith challenges, yeah. they can go through those faith challenges. Or if they're questioning, I'm not... It takes the average person two to four years before they leave our church. They don't just wake up someday and say, oh, it's a gorgeous day out. I'm going to leave the church. Yeah. So I want, we want to identify that. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's awesome! On. If people want to have you come speak at their stake, their ward, what's the best way for people to find you? They can just go to Dennis Schleicher, D E N N I S S C H L E I C H E R dot net, and they can request a speaking engagement. That's awesome! And you do a ton of speaking now. Yes, I'm all over the place. Could you have imagined five years ago that your life would be what it is today, Sean? I would have said you're nuts. <laughs> I can. Imagine. I would have said you're crazy. Yes. I would have been like, "There's no way. There uh, is no way." That's why when I say I'm the last person in the world you would have ever thought joining this church, I was. Yeah. And so it's just something. But this, you know, 
everything has changed. I get yeah. these tinglings. I love going to the temple. So I did this talk once, and I had this this guy from Texas. He's like, dude, bro, I never thought a gay man would strengthen my testimony. And he's a full temple recommend holder. <laughs> it's like, this is awesome. Like, it's just people all over the world, I get this. Oh, I love it. I have worked uh, in young men's quite a bit and have worked with some gay young men. And I can bond with them and relate to them on one level. Mm. And I can't on another. Exactly. And they know that. And that creates a barrier. Mm. They know that I cannot 100% say, I know what you're going through. Um, what, and then we'll kind of, kind of maybe wrap things up with this. What messages have you gotten from gay youth in the church or parents or people who love someone who is gay in the church? Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for putting yourself out there. We needed this. Um, we need, we need, you know, how can I get you to come and speak? You know, what can we do? Because we need, more people need to read this. I wish this book was free in our gospel app. I wish it was a free book. I wish I can give it to everybody. And I just, but I don't even own a copy now because I've given them all away. And so I, when a general authority had asked for one, I had to go to Deseret and buy it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> because I didn't have any. Yeah. And so I would would say, you know, um, find somebody that you can confide in and and know that there are people that care and love for you and that yeah. Heavenly Father loves you, most importantly. And honestly, if you run across somebody who doesn't love you or accept you or says this isn't right, then know that, that it... See, I have this opinion, I don't care what others think. I just have to be responsible to Him, God. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm responsible to Jesus Christ. That's who I'm going to answer to with the latter days or when I meet my, when we meet our maker, I'm held accountable to him. So just know it's him. Do what Joseph Smith did when he went to the sacred grove. You know, if you don't know the answer, ask God. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, we're going to close things up with the question that we ask all of our guests. I didn't prep you for this. That's okay. So I'm just going to, but I'm so fascinated to hear. We ask every one of our guests who sits in that chair, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Oh, I got, I got the goosebumps and the hair on my neck stands up again. So it's on my neck is, um, I can't imagine living without this gospel. I can't imagine having the priesthood. I can't imagine not being able to bring honor to my ancestors. And I think of the 300 and something names I have to do. And it's just like, I, I can't wait till the next time I go to the temple because that's my place away from the adversary is, is, is in the temple. I could live there from open to close, but I do have a life, you know, Mm -hmm. meaning I, I, but I do want to bring honor to my ancestors. So being a member of the church is that that there is no other church in the world that allows us to do bring honor to our ancestor. And I always think return with honor. Mm. And so that's something that I could go on. I mean, I could write a whole book about what the church means to me. There's your next book right there, Dennis. That's it. I wasn't nuts after all. Yes, yes. Here's yes. the book of what the church yes. means to me. He is a speaker. He is an author. 
He is an incredible child of God with a great message of hope that everyone needs to hear. Thank you, Sean. Dennis Schleicher, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my special thanks to my guest and new friend, Dennis Schleicher. Isn't he amazing? I so enjoyed sitting down with him, and the spirit was so strong as he testified of his great love of this gospel. He is just a great inspiration. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, uh, I had something happen that hasn't happened in 10 years. I got a new passport. (laughs) Passports now last uh, 10 full years, and so I mailed off my old one and Sure enough, got my new one back. And I have to say, first of all, it's a little bit depressing comparing my photo from 10 years ago to my photo now. I have definitely aged quite a bit in the past 10 years. Uh, But they did send me back my old passport with a couple holes in it, so it's not valid anymore. But I was grateful to get it back because I started flipping through it. And for a few years, I was doing almost exclusively international sales. And I got to travel all over the world for three or four years. And it was an amazing time in my life. And I overall, I don't miss it. I really like that, you know, those are long flights and long weeks away from home. But it was a a great experience. And now I I go to Canada a few times a year and down to Mexico and and, uh, to Colombia from time to time. But that's about it. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm just in, in the U.S., But as I was flipping through my passport and I started looking at all the different countries that I've gotten to go to, I spent a lot of time in Asia, a lot of time in Europe, but each each time I saw a country name, a person came to mind. And I got to spend time and, and continue, I mean, even just traveling here within the U.S., I've gotten to spend time with such a diverse group of people. And it's been amazing to get to know people uh, of different cultures, people who don't look like me, whose families aren't like mine, uh, people who have different beliefs, uh, people of different faiths, and a lot of people who are self-proclaimed don't have a faith. Uh, it's been amazing to get to know them. And what a blessing it's been. And, and sometimes, and especially I think this is something that happens on social media, is people will generalize a group and they'll generalize a group because of where they're from or because of what they do or their orientation or how they look or what beliefs they have. We definitely see it, unfortunately, with politics uh, here in the U.S. for sure. And people will overly generalize. And I think, I think what ends up happening is it diminishes people. It's a way to put people down. You can categorize them and then you can group them into a, into a certain description, which allows you to denigrate them. And I think that's really dangerous. I, I think about all the people I've met around the world, and the one thing I've found is people are generally really good. And they may be nothing like me, but they're generally really good. And they're definitely children of God. And the more that I meet people who aren't like me, the more I appreciate people who aren't like me. But there's a flip side of that coin, too. And that's that I don't want people to generalize me and generalize our faith or, hey, people who have a lot of kids are like this or people who are in their 40s are like this. And definitely I don't want to hear all Latter-day Saints are like this. We're not all like that. And the way to break down these barriers is to get to know people. Now, we can't all travel all over 
the world. Uh, I can't anymore. But within our own communities, meeting people who are of different faiths, learning about their faiths, and getting to appreciate them and celebrating the things that they celebrate, and people who might be just different from ourselves, the more we get to know people, the more it breaks down those barriers. And yes, even people with a different political persuasion than we have, we can love them, we can get to know them. Maybe we shouldn't talk politics, but we can definitely be brothers and sisters. And it's really important. And I think that the more that we do that, and I miss that part of travel, uh, internationally at least, I miss it. But I still get the chance to meet people from all over. And everybody has a story. And again, the more you meet individuals, the more you realize how bad generalizations are. I am so grateful for that time that I had to get to know so many different people. And I know that God loves every single one of them. Everyone is his child as much as I am. And I'm grateful for that. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We really appreciate it. If you get a chance to leave us a review, it sure does help out the show and helps other people to find us. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can send me an email at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We'd love it if you'd follow us. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy the show, please share it with them. And they can hear these uplifting, incredible conversations with amazing members of our faith. Well, that's about all we've got for this week's show. So until we meet again, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.